Hi, welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids who love the Lord and love each other. I absolutely love young moms, and it's my passion to encourage you and provide you with tips and tools to make your job easier. Thanks for joining us today. Last time we talked about 10 things that I would do again if I had to homeschool my kids all over, and today we're gonna talk about 10 things that I would do differently. But before we get started, let me remind you that you can access our podcasts on our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you prefer to download your podcasts. Okay, so let's get started here. I had the experience of homeschooling my kids for 37 years. Yes, 37 years. I started out not knowing anybody else that homeschooled their kids. So I was kind of scared. You know, I thought I might mess them up. So I started with a real traditional approach. I could only get books from Abeka. That's all that was available to me because nobody sold to homeschoolers back then. People thought you were loony and book salesmen would not sell to you. So I had to get my books through um, a school. And the headmaster there helped me get my books to use. I didn't have teacher's guides which I think was a real blessing because I just took the books and used them my own way. I later found Abeka is very rigid. I love their books, but they're very rigid in their system. And I didn't do it that way because I didn't know that's how they did it. So that was a blessing in disguise. But I felt like I had to do everything in the books. The kids had to do every question, every problem. I had to finish the entire book the school year. So we were kind of struggling to keep that going. But it wasn't very long before I realized, you know what, you don't have to finish all these books. You don't have to do every single problem in these books. Kids learn uniquely. And it's not only okay to scrap a book or to change the way you're doing it, but it's really wise to do that. You need to study your kids and see how they learn best. Kids are not cookie cutters and they don't learn the same as every other child. And it wasn't long before I realized that. My first and my second child learned very differently. And what worked for the first one did not necessarily work for the second one. So I also found that there's, um, you know, so much in books that you don't need to teach. There's so much busy work. They give so many problems. You don't need to feel like you've got to do everything. You want to teach your kids the concepts, but you don't want to wear them out with busy work. We talked a little bit about that in, in My Kids Hate Schooling. So if you want to know more about that, you can check out that previous podcast. I talk about that in quite detail. Secondly, don't assume that the government schools study what's best for children and have done the research, and that's why they teach what they teach when they teach it. That's just not true. That's what I assumed. I just assumed that. You know, I went to college to be a teacher. Um, I only went one year, but that was my desire was to be a teacher. And I just assumed that what was in the textbooks had been studied out, that this is what children need to know at this particular age. This is how they need to learn it. That's just not true. Look for God-given desires, interests, and abilities in your kids. And don't try to hold to standards of what's supposed to be. Um, 
or to hold your kids back. You know, I've talked to lots of parents where the kids are avid readers, but the parents are saying, no, 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 this is third grade. You're only in second grade. You can't read that book yet. You know, don't feel like you have to do that. What I did is I let my children progress at their own rate in every single subject. So they might be quite skilled in math and they might want to be two years ahead in math where they were slower in the reading and the language studies. Just adjust what you're teaching to your child. Don't hold them back, but don't push them ahead if they're not ready to go. Thirdly, realize there's no average child. Each one of your kids is made uniquely by God. I've got 14 of them and there's no two that are alike. But don't feel like you as the mom, as the teacher, are, have to be under this undue pressure to be where you're supposed to be. Oh no, it's October and we're only th the third week of September. You know, don't feel like that. When you do act that way, it makes your kids feel inferior. You know, I'm not performing my best. I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. You want to emphasize and praise them when they do their best, not necessarily when they're at the performance level where they're supposed to be, because there's no supposed to be. It's different for every child. For instance, one of my children was eight years old before they began to read, and he turned around and taught his younger sister how to read that year. Another one of my children was 12 years old before he learned to read, and that was right for him. So there's no performance level that's the norm, and that's where everybody's supposed to be. Don't feel pressure from other people, which, especially in the early years of homeschooling, I think all of us parents felt that way because we were doing something that was not normal. We were teaching our kids at home, and nobody had ever heard of that. So we had this pressure of feeling like we had to share with others that our kids were where they were supposed to be or that they were being socialized the way that they were supposed to be socialized. You have nothing to prove. You know, you need to make the atmosphere in your home free and uplifting for your kids to learn unhindered. Praise their achievements, especially if they're struggling. If you know that it's been really hard for them to get a concept, praise them when they finally get it. Praise them even if they haven't finally got it, but they're struggling and working hard to get it. God is our judge, and he's the only one we're going to answer to, not our parents or our neighbors or the people next door. You know, try to resist the temptation to compare where your kids are in school with your friends' kids. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how fast your kids um, learn a principle or learn a certain subject, it's all going to come out in the wash. It just doesn't matter at all. Refrain from feeling inadequate yourself. You know, God wants us to realize that we can't do what we're required to do. You know, we can't do a, the best job with our kids without his help. And I think he wants us in that position. He wants us to feel inadequate not so we will live in inadequacy, but so that we will reach out to the Lord. You know, the Lord, our kids belong to the Lord. They don't belong to us. And the Lord cares about them a whole lot more than we do. Even though we care about them so much, the Lord cares about them more. The Lord's got a plan for their life. 
and we're to guide them in that path. So as a mom, make sure you spend time in the Word. It's very important for you to spend time in the Word and to pour out your struggles to the Lord. If you're struggling with a child, not understanding something or with their attitude, tell the Lord, pour it out to the Lord, look for the answers in the Word and find the time that works best for you. I used to feel guilty as a young mom that I didn't spend time with the Lord first thing in the morning because you hear that, or you used to hear it anyway, preached a lot. But that never worked for me because I had a lot of kids. They were pretty close together. I didn't get a whole lot of sleep at night when I, I would sleep as long as I could in the morning. And the morning has never been a really good time for me. If I sit down to read the word first thing in the morning, I'm probably going to drift off to sleep again. So find the time that works best for you. It depends on your kids' ages, whether you've got a baby, your husband's schedule. But you don't have to feel like you've got to fit into somebody else's mold. There's a lot of um, planners out there. Planners never worked for me. I just took a notebook and I planned what I needed to plan. I found that other people's system didn't work for me. Do what works for you and don't feel inadequate or guilty because you're not doing what somebody else is doing. That's so easy to do. Remember, your child belongs to him. Number seven, don't assume that kids need lots of time with kids their own age. Expose your kids to all ages. That is normal. It's not normal for you to be with 30 people your own age all the time. It is normal for you to be with older people and younger people. You will find if you do that, your kids will feel comfortable with all ages. I once had the pastor of our church tell me that one of our sons who has worked at church for a lot of years is pretty incredible because he's so comfortable with all ages. And I think that's because in his growing up years, we exposed him to all ages, to the young, to the old, the elderly. And what we found is it builds a sensitivity in your kids to the young and to the elderly. It teaches them to honor the elderly. It teaches them to be sweet and sensitive to younger brothers and sisters. A lot of times kids that go to school and they're isolated with kids their own age will make fun of their younger brothers or sisters or kind of disdain older people. That's not what we want at all. You know, we want to take our kids by the hand and minister to the young and minister to the old and have our kids comfortable with all those ages. They don't need a bunch of kids their own age. That's just one of the things we kind of assume because that's the way schools are done, that our kids need that. They don't. As a matter of fact, the times in our bringing up our kids, there were times when we helped a lot of people get started homeschooling in the early days. And we would have meetings in our home and we would have the people and their kids in our home. And that we, there was a time when we felt like our kids had just spent too much time with kids their own age. And they started not getting along as well with their brothers and sisters. And I think you will find that if you have your kids over-involved in activities with kids their own age, you'll start seeing that they're not as sensitive to their younger brothers and sisters or older people. And that is kind of your clue to draw back and stay home. You need to stay home to homeschool effectively. Number eight, don't be afraid to discern detrimental subject matter. I grew up as a Unitarian. I did not grow up in a Christian home. And when I started teaching my kids who got in high school literature, 
So many of the books had classics in them. Now, some of the classics are great, but some of the classics are, have a Unitarian and a Transcendentalism mindset. And I recognized that in some of the writing and some of the authors. And I thought, wow, I do not want my kids to grow up thinking this is the way things are supposed to be. I don't want them reading that subject matter. God's word says we should be wise about what is true and innocent with what is evil. I did not want my kids reading some of the classics. And I kind of took a lot of flack for that because like, wow, you know, the classics, you wouldn't let your kids read the classics. What's wrong with you? But fill your kids' minds with the truth. When you do that, they will be able to discern the wrong that they read in books. Years later, just a few years ago, I read a book by Kevin Swanson called Apostate, and he articulated so well why we shouldn't fill our kids' minds with some of the classics. And it just resonated with me. That is what I felt in my heart, but I couldn't really articulate it. So if you're interested in learning more about that, I'd highly recommend his book. Number nine, use textbooks, not, but not exclusively. Get into the real world. Practical impl implementation is the best teacher. Invite others into your home. I would invite other families in our home, and I would ask the dad, you know, what did you do? For, what do you do for a living? And did you go to college? And are you glad you went to college? Or what would you do differently? You know, let your kids learn from others. We would invite missionaries in our home. We just invite other families in our home. And we would go out of our home and minister to so many people. That's real life. And that's what you need to take your, your kids by the hand and get out there and do that. And I will talk in depth about that in another session, about how you can involve your kids in ministry to others. We've written a whole book, Character in Action, that has tons of ideas to help you do that. And we'll talk about that later. Number 10, don't waste large quantities of time teaching what your kids will never need to know. Evaluate on a child-to-child -child basis and make the best judgment. If you decide your kids don't need this and later on they do need it, they can learn it at a later time and they'll learn it faster if they see a need for it. A practical example with that, my oldest son kind of had a mental block against the upper maths. He just... He just couldn't get over, why do you have X's and Y's and A's and B's? Why can't you just do math? So I did not, I gave him a basic introduction to algebra and geometry, but I did not spend a whole year on algebra or geometry with him. He later decided to be a lawyer. He needed one math class to pass his entrance exams. He took it at a community college in the summer. It was um, a course that took two weeks. He passed it with, I think, a B. And then he went to college and law school, and I think he only had two math classes he ever had to take to get his law degree. But then he had a goal in mind. He wanted to become a lawyer. So he applied himself, and he learned the math that he hadn't learned before. So you don't have to worry about missing something. You're not going to mess your kids up permanently if you don't teach them something. And just because the public schools do it doesn't mean your child needs to do it. Also, learn to exchange subjects for what your child does need to learn. If your child wants to be a veterinarian, let them do veterinary science instead of um, chemistry. 
you know, switch out the subjects that work best for your child. If your child wants to be a mechanic, let him do some mechanic courses instead of some of the normal high school courses. There's no problem with doing that. You can do that. You can guide your child's education so that they come out of the time in your home best prepared for what God has for them in the future. What your job needs to be is teach your kids how to learn and don't squelch their love for learning. If you do that, your kids can learn whatever they need to learn whenever they need to learn it. You know, life is a school and God is our teacher. And sometimes God takes us through lessons we never would go through if we had the choice. For instance, I think of a time, and I tell about it in Parenting from the Heart. There's a chapter in here about our experience with our son, Josh. He was our fourth son. He was 17 years old when he got leukemia. And he went to heaven seven months later. During that seven months, we could not do school. We were, I was taking him up to UVA, which is a hospital about an hour and a half away from where we live. We had to have our bags packed, be ready to go if he got a fever. Um, when he first got diagnosed, I was pregnant with Kelly. So for a long time, I was taking a baby and a pack and play in a diaper bag up there to his hospital room. And school was on the back burner. But, you know, we learned so many life lessons, and I tell about that in Parenting from the Heart, that one chapter, that we could not have learned any other way. And sometimes God will do that. He will take your plans, and he'll change them, and he'll teach you something you never even dreamed of learning about. But I can honestly say all my kids and my husband and I are better people for having gone through that experience with Josh. You know, God had plans for us that we could not foresee. And heaven's forever. And we're going to have fun with Josh one day in heaven for eternity. Um, so remember, as I said, life is a school and God is our teacher. Don't kick the bricks against that. You know, cooperate with God and learn the things that he has for you to learn. And remember, any time you spend teaching your kids God's Word is never wasted. God's Word never returns void. Thanks so much for joining us today. I look forward to being with you next time. Have a good day.